Welcome to the Weight Training Podcast with your host, Tracy Waite. Welcome back to the Weight Training Podcast. This is Coach Tracy coming at you with a episode number 11. Thank you guys so much for being here. I'm excited to share with you my guest for this episode. Whitney Bardick is the creator of GetThePancake.com and the author of Coaching Volleyball, a survival guide for your first season. Coach Whitney has coached hundreds of athletes since she began her coaching career in 2008. Her achievements include winning division and conference championships while coaching, serving as the director of a volleyball program with nearly, get this, 300 teams and making 12-year-olds laugh at her lame volleyball jokes is her claim to fame. Her main motivation, you guys, to coach is for that click moment. You all know what that is. When a player finally learns how to overhand serve or understands a new strategic concept, that is what she lives for. And by sharing her knowledge, she hopes more coaches are able to experience that feeling as well. When she's not on the court running lessons, practices, camps, or clinics, she is usually planned in front of her computer writing a new volleyball article or creating a drill to share with her followers. You can visit Whitney at her website at getthepancake.com or check out her social media accounts on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest simply by searching for at the get at the pancake. I'm really excited about this discussion that we had and sharing it with you guys. There's so many pearls in here that you're really going to be, uh, I think, inspired by this next generation of coaches that are coming up and they're really doing it right. And this is the type of person that we need to get more young people exposed to so that not only do they have good athletic experiences, but also so that uh, they look at coaching as a fantastic profession for themselves for the future. So without further ado, here's my interview with Coach Whitney. Hey, Whitney, thanks so much for joining us. I really appreciate you jumping on and I'm excited to hear what our discussion sounds like today. Tracy, I am pumped to be here. I have so much to share today. I'm really excited to talk to you. So thanks for reaching out and having me here. Absolutely. Well, as you know, um, I'm big on social. I like to share some coaching principles and some inspiration and some motivation on social. And that's how I came across you, your Get the Pancake uh, Instagram account and your website. And some of uh, the things that I started digesting and uh, seeing on your content was really intriguing to me. I said, you know, she's really doing things right. And I, I like her way that she discusses coaching and how she's trying to make um, volleyball specifically um, better for coaches out there to do more successfully as well as for players. So I can't wait to dig in and just hear a little bit about your story and what it is that you want to bring to coaching and why it is you found yourself in coaching. So why don't you back up and just start with, you know, what was your earliest exposure to sports? Tell us a little bit about how you got involved in sports. Sure. Um, well, first I want to say thank you. It really means a lot that you did find me on Instagram. You know, I've been trying to put stuff out there for a while now. I'm really starting to pick up there. Um, so it's awesome that you were able to find me because I'm just trying to get that out there right now. So, um, but to talk about my first experience with coaching. So I actually... I grew up in an environment where I think I had no other choice. <laughs> so an example of that is one of my earliest memories is sitting down playing Nintendo with my dad <laughs> uh, and we're playing baseball 
And I specifically remember, it's very vivid to me, sitting down, playing baseball, my player hits a double, and, you know, I run through, my player on the screen runs through to second, and he pauses the game, and he says, okay, if it's a pop fly, what are you going to do? And we go through all the different scenarios. Well, what if, you know, if there's only one out, what do you do? If there's two outs, what do you do? And if you hit it in this direction, how are you going to... Um, control your players essentially. And I think that demonstrates that I had a really um, early example of what it meant to think strategically about sports in general. Um, Continue on years later, my dad coached me in soccer and softball. He coached my brother in baseball. Um, So we always had a coaching household we would often discuss different strategies on the way to practice, on the way back from practice. You know, uh, maybe this player was struggling a little bit tonight. What do you think's going on? Is there stuff outside of practice that's affecting her? Um, so we were always talking about sports and strategy. It was a lot more than just, you know, we never really talked about drills. And there's so much more to sports than just teaching a skill the right way or running the right drill. It's really just about understanding your players, understanding where they're all coming from. And I got to sit in on my dad hosting coaches corner is what we called it. Um, The other baseball dads would come over and they'd talk about tryouts. For example, tryouts was a really big deal because they wanted to make sure that they had the right players on their team. So it wasn't necessarily about going out and getting the top players. You know, you think about, I mean, ego. (laughs) So even, even with 13 year olds, um, especially in a small town, the best players, you know, kind of, they usually come with a price, which is expecting to start expecting to play all game. And that's just not realistic. You know, when you have a team of 15 or something, um, So thinking about, well, how can each player benefit and play a role on the team and not just how can we get the most great players and then who can we sit on the bench? It's how can everyone contribute to the sport? Um, And so that's really how I got involved in coaching was just I was around it all the time, constantly thinking about strategy. And I always (laughs) I remember, you know, finishing up high school, um, getting into the working world and always thinking like, I can't wait until I have a job that lets me coach volleyball. (laughs) That was all I wanted. That was all I wanted to do. Um, and why volleyball? Um, so I started playing volleyball when I was in sixth grade and I had played soccer. I actually had played a season of basketball before that, which I was horrible. Um, So I skipped over basketball, even though I was a tall player and people wanted me to play um, basketball. Um, But I remember I actually, I showed up to volleyball tryouts wearing my basketball shoes, soccer shorts, and a Mia Hamm jersey. And and, uh, the only reason I think I made the team was because I was strong. So skills wise, uh, you know, maybe I made a couple good passes, but I think 
as an 11 year old, I went and knocked out 45 pushups and cause my dad had me like <laughs> training hardcore, you know, um, doing pushups every night, sit-ups, getting ready for tryouts. That's awesome. Yeah. And so after I started playing volleyball, I really just, not that soccer and softball aren't strategic sports, but with volleyball, I feel like it's more about finesse and strategy. Um, and there's also a rhythm to it that I really like, as opposed to just going out and trying to knock other people over. Um, or with softball, it's a little slow for my liking. I like the pace of volleyball, which is, you know, you have spurts of energy, um, followed by like a couple of seconds to kind of recollect and strategize really quickly and then jump back into play again. So I really enjoy volleyball and actually a lot of young players that I talk to now, their parents will tell me that they don't like how, um, not concentrate, confrontational, confrontational. (laughs) They don't like, um, that aspect of other sports and they like volleyball because their daughters can come out, still be strong and athletic, but you know, it's not a contact sport. Yes, I agree. The strategy part that you learn growing up um, is so applicable to volleyball and it really helps to have that in your background when it comes to coaching it, because there is so much more than just pass set hit. And I think you made a comment one time that's, um, you know, I put a post out about what we do in between points. You know, we almost have so much more time between points to talk to our teammates or to talk to ourselves or our coaches to get ready for that next point. And mm-hmm. how are we going to do, or what are we going to do differently? And so I'm a big fan of volleyball for that reason too. So give me an idea. Um, when you were playing, what was um, one of your most stressful situations? If you can recall one, when you were an athlete, did you, do you remember having a stressful, like maybe it was a, you know, a championship match or someplace where you were put in a stressful position Give us an idea of um, just how you thought through that, if you can recall a time like that. Um, well, I think as a player, you have a, a ton of <laughs> stressful situations. Um, so two are kind of coming to mind right now. Um, and one, I don't know why this particular point sticks out to me. It wasn't, you know, it was just a conference match. It wasn't for a championship or anything like that, but I remember that thinking, wow, that call was so bad. (laughs) (laughs) And I remember everyone on my team and my coach and just everyone getting so upset. And I was upset too. But at the same time thinking, you know, it doesn't matter. You, you have to play through it. The, the call has been made. I can argue and make it worse for myself and my team and kind of dig us down into a hole or, we can accept it and move on. And how old were you when this happened? That was either my junior or senior year of high school. That's a very mature (laughs) way of approaching it. (laughs) I wish I could just put that into all my players to uh, have them look at that, look at situations like that, (laughs) that same kind of maturity. Well, and I, I really try to instill that in my players. Now, I think that, um, especially with my younger players that maybe haven't played on teams or don't understand that a lot of the questionable volleyball calls are 
judgment. So whether you agree or not, it doesn't really matter because they're not going to change their mind. Um, And so actually that is one of the things that I like about coaching is getting to teach players. It doesn't matter. You can either get mad and take away our momentum or you can get over it and we can focus on the next point. And, you know, sometimes it's a, a hard conversation because players, you know, that's built in their, into their personality. So they don't, don't always want to let go of that viewpoint. Um, but it's fun for me to teach that because I think it is really important. Um, another difficult situation, um, while I was still playing volleyball was, I think it was my sophomore year. Um, I know I played, um, two seasons of 14 and under club. And then after that, um, I was burnt out after high school ball ended. Um, so that would probably be the other difficult situation um, with playing was deciding not to play club anymore. And I think burnout, especially with the way that seasons are structured now and how competitive volleyball is getting, you know, the sport is growing, which is great, yes. but with the growth people are getting more and more and more serious about um, being the best. And that means year round volleyball. And um, I wasn't even playing year round. I was playing high school and club, but then I had, you know, the summer break um, and players aren't getting that anymore. And I worry that burnout is going to be something that we see from really good players and, I mean, it doesn't even matter if they're good or not because volleyball is enjoyable. It's, it's a sport that you can play for, I mean, your whole life. You really can. And yeah. I just – I get nervous with my club girls about burnout, especially a lot of them are in school ball right now, and they're still requesting to do lessons with me, you know, outside of school. And it's just like – can you handle it? <laughs> you know, can you yeah. handle that much volleyball? And so do you, th- do you think the athletes are driving that? Do you think the parents are driving that? Or do you think that um, club coaches or high school coaches are driving that? Um, I think it is a mixture of parents and parents discussions between uh, with, with the athlete. So I think athletes are interested in getting better and everyone's trying to find you know, what's the shortcut to getting better. And I think a lot of people think that lessons are a shortcut, which I think lessons definitely benefit athletes, but it shouldn't be viewed um, as a shortcut to getting ahead, to getting more playing time. Um, I, but I do think a lot of it is the parent perspective. Um, But honestly, a lot of the players that I have, they seem fine with it and it confuses me because I know that I would be exhausted at that point. So I'm not really sure what is changing. I do think players are able to handle a little bit more than I was at least as a player. So I'm not sure what is changing and why it is that they're able to handle more sports. Maybe they're just used to year round playing sports, but um, I think a lot of it. Yeah. It's parents. 
there's some statistics still that are out there that are a little concerning, you know, especially for what you and I do from a coaching perspective is there's still too many athletes that are giving up playing sports altogether at too early of an age. I mean, I think it's mm-hmm. something around, you know, 70 or 80% um, stop playing by the age of 14 be- because of a number of factors. And I just, one thing that I, and you probably agree, always want to have as a component, whether they're taking extra practice or private lessons or whether it's club or high school or middle school ball is keeping it fun and having that as something that's an enjoyable pursuit and I think that that's uh, a component that's being left out of um, some of the year-round ball as it becomes too much of a job and they're not Mm -hmm. having a chance to be a kid do you agree with that I agree 100 (laughs) percent and actually that is part of my coaching philosophy my values is to make sure that it stays fun so I actually I get nervous um when I have open lessons where when parents come in and watch or um if parents are watching camps because I feel like the expectation is that the players are going to be running every single second of the lesson but you have to keep it fun. And that means being a little bit silly um, throughout the lesson or throughout practice. And that doesn't mean that they're not learning. If anything, I think that keeps them engaged longer. And um, I think it improves output over time, but in the moment it can feel um, like you're being judged by people who are like, okay, when are you going to start teaching my daughter, you know, how to, hit a quick set why are you you know just playing games but the games are what teach the skill um so i don't know it's fun needs to be there but i know that there's a lot of pressure to kind of take it out um just to show you know oh we're getting reps we're getting touches on the ball they're sweaty leaving practice and that can still happen when you have fun too yeah absolutely (laughs) I've got a question that uh, I'd like to hear your answer to. So how this will start first from a uh, perspective of you and then, you know, give me your thoughts on this on a greater uh, scale, like a 30,000 foot view. Okay. Tell me how you like to be coached. How did you like to be coached? And even today, you probably still have some mentors or some people that help you with certain things in your life. Tell me a little bit about how it is that you like to be coached. Give us an idea of that. Awesome. Uh, when I am being coached, I, well, as a player, what I really like is just being left alone, um, and being, but I need, um, inspiration. So I need someone to kind of tell me what the future could be. Um, and then let me find my way to get there because I am very internally motivated, Um, so I don't need a lot of pushing and handholding until things go wrong. (laughs) And then I need to be told or not even told, just reminded of the things that I'm capable of and what I have done in the past. Okay. And then after that, you know, that'll pump me up and that'll last me at least, you know, two weeks a month. I'll I'll be good. Okay. (laughs) Um, so yeah, I just, Sometimes, um, and that is one of my biggest strengths, one of my biggest weaknesses is that I like to just be left alone and do my own thing. And sometimes, you know, I have a hard time 
reaching out for help when it's needed. And I need a coach who can recognize that in me because I'm not going to come and ask for help. I need someone to see that and then come in and provide, you know, the motivation to kind of get back to where I was. So how you're describing that sometimes that can be the athletes that's a little quieter, either they're focused, they're intense, but they are maybe a little less vocal with the rest yes. of the team or out on the court. Was that you? Um, I don't know that I would say I was quiet. Um, I feel like I was fairly outspoken um, and usually conducted myself as a leader on the court, whether I was captain or not, um, and usually kind of tried to corral everyone (laughs) into, you know, like, come on, guys, we can do it. Let's go. Let's just dig deep. Um, Yeah, I as a player, I wouldn't say I was the quiet one, but um, I think you were pretty uh, vocal with your teammates and when it came to game situations. But when you said that you didn't always uh, you weren't always as vocal asking for help, that was just because you felt like you had it and you had the ability and the motivation yourself to push through. And is, that's kind of where you were seeking the, the outside coaching at times was uh, yes, because you just didn't ask for it yourself. You were more helping and leading the team instead of focused on yourself, which is a good quality actually. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it works until it doesn't. Yeah, um, that's, that's a good way to put it. So I, I definitely had people who could recognize in me, you know, especially my parents, my mom can tell, you know, the second that something is wrong. And she was always at my volleyball matches and tournaments. She was there all the time. Um, And she could tell when things would go wrong and she would, you know, kind of start to pull me out of that. And, you know, my coach, as soon as he would realize, you know, (laughs) he would, he would motivate me too. Um, but it just, it took a little bit of time for people to realize when I would kind of get into my own head. Gotcha. Yep. That makes sense. So pivoting from that. So from your perspective, give me an idea of, uh, what good coaches do, what, what kinds of qualities, what types of, uh, things do good coaches do that kind of set themselves apart? Sure. Um, I have worked with a lot of coaches over the years, and I wouldn't say there is any one particular coaching method or trait that someone has to have other than that they need to stay true to themselves and make decisions um, accordingly. So let's say that someone, I, I think that I'm like a fun positive coach. Um, but I also know there are, I call them drill sergeants (laughs) and you know, that's not me. And, but I'm not saying that that is a bad way to coach. I think if you coach in that manner and get yourself into maybe a club setting at a high level club, that the purpose is to churn out D one athletes, I think you're going to thrive there. Uh, personally, I know that I do well um, with my values and my philosophy. I do well with smaller clubs that are catered towards building a love of volleyball and establishing foundational skills. That is where I thrive. I have a lot of 
patience. And I think I coach players who need just a little more patience. Um, I coach them very well. I have been in different situations where um, I was coaching at a high school and the head coach was one of those drill sergeants (laughs) and she expected everyone else on the staff to coach in that manner. And I tried, I tried so hard to, um, change how I coached and it was a disaster (laughs) because, interesting because I couldn't hold, I couldn't, I couldn't pretend the entire season, my natural tendencies would come out. So whereas she would expect, you know, the, everyone's running lines and sweating and high reps, high intensity, you know, you have to earn your fun. You don't just get it. Um, Worked for her, but it doesn't work for me. (laughs) And I would, I'd be doing good. I'd go, I'd go. And then, you know, we'd have a fun day at practice and then, the team would kind of fall apart because they expect a certain kind of coach when they come into practice. And if you're not consistent, then, then they don't know what to expect. They don't know how to act. They don't know if they're going to get in trouble for this, if they're going to get praised for it. And I think consistency is the key to coaching successfully. Couldn't have put it better myself. Love it. (laughs) Love it. Give me an idea of what are some of your go-to coaching phrases or words that you use <laughs> with your athletes? Uh, I have, I feel like I have a lot of things that I catch myself re- <laughs> repeating. Yep. And I'm actually, I think this is so important that coaches uh, mind how they speak to their team because over the years, I have learned that what you say to your players is what they will say to each other. Mm, and you don't see it right away, especially with club. It usually takes two or three months before I start hearing it, you know, go back and forth between the players. But one of actually when I realized this, so I've run a drill. It's called the down ball game. It's my favorite drill ever. I think I play it every practice, every camp, every clinic I ever do. I always incorporate the down ball game. Um, And it just, it teaches players to be aggressive and there's not really a reward at the end. It's just more of a warm up drill, but um, it teaches them to hit down balls instead of passing the ball over. And something that I say a lot is, because players aren't always going to get the ball over, but if I'd rather have them try to hit a down ball rather than pass the ball over. And so I'll say, you know, way to be aggressive. They'll hit the ball into the net. And then I say, way to be aggressive. And I'm complimenting them and reinforcing that that's okay that you missed. I don't care. This is practice. You took a swing at it. It didn't work, but you'll get it next time. And (laughs) when I heard one of my players, I think this was my third season coaching um, club when I heard it, but one of my weaker players, you know, went to hit a down ball, hit it into the net. And one of my top players turned to her and clapped in her direction and said, that's okay. Way to be aggressive. And that just made my heart explode. I was so happy. Um, And I realized then that what you say 
the players start to say to each other. Cause I have had a couple of rough seasons where, um, you know, things aren't going your way and, you know, you kind of lose sight of the feedback that you're giving because, you know, you're confused. You're trying to figure out how to make it work too. And sometimes, you know, less than, uh, productive things come out of your mouth and then you hear them start saying it to each other. And I think that's a really good check for you as a coach. If you hear your players saying things that you don't like to each other, you're probably the reason. And that's, that's kind of hard to, to evaluate about yourself. But if you hear things, I think you really need to go back and look at what you're saying to your team and how you're communicating. Um, yeah, I love that. It's a good gauge and a good check yes. on yourself. Yes. That's why I'm big on watching video back of games, especially where I can hear the coaching that I'm giving because I like to hear the tone and the inflection mm-hmm. and the timing of some of the coaching mm-hmm. to just see if I could have adjusted that or maybe not needed to say anything. <laughs> Half the time that's the answer is just don't say anything. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, it's easier said than done. Yes. Yes. Even from the sideline, we can get into the game. We don't have to necessarily be out there on the court ourselves. Yes. I actually, um, so I, I'd love to hear Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I actually have, um, another couple of phrases that I wanted to share with you. Oh, awesome. Um, and something that I always have to ask my team or I always catch myself asking them is, does that make sense? Because they'll all look at you and then you'll say, does that make sense? And they'll usually all nod their head and then they'll turn away and they'll do the complete opposite (laughs) of what you're asking. (laughs) So does that make sense? Is always followed by, if it doesn't tell me because I need to know, like, even if, you know, I've been giving you this feedback for the last two months and, you know, you told me that you understood, you understood, clearly you didn't. (laughs) So let's actually talk about it and figure out where you're confused because I've had players that actually this last season that I coached, I remember it must've been maybe one or two months left in the club season. So March or April, my setters finally told me that they didn't understand when they were allowed to jump set because (laughs) they thought that when you're in front of the 10 foot line as a back row player that they thought you couldn't jump at all not you know in the motion of attacking the ball to hit like a back row attack so they were confused and they finally told me in April and I had to get out a whiteboard and like write down all the different rules because even explaining it they didn't understand but I always 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 ask if players understand and then remind them that if they don't, that they need to ask me because there's so many times where players say they understand. And then you give them that reminder that, you know, really ask me or tell me when you don't understand it. And then they'll follow up with, uh, actually, could you explain it again? And that's huge for teenagers because there's so many teenagers that don't want to look foolish or don't want to look quote unquote dumb when they don't know something. So it's just easier to go with the flow and nod your head that, yes, you know, you, that you do understand, Yes, but that doesn't help them, you know, understand the game or understand how they could play at a higher level. Yeah. That's so important. And that's a great takeaway. (laughs) (laughs) So give me an idea of, uh, from your perspective, what's your definition of success? Hmm. I would say that success is feeling content at the end of the day. 
So Mm. I think success is something that you can achieve daily. And that's by putting in work during the day. My favorite thing to sit or my favorite thing to do at the end of the day is just sit down on the couch, you know, and just be like, wow, that was a good day. Like I'm feeling happy. I accomplished all the things that I wanted to. And that doesn't come every day. (laughs) Um, But it's usually after the hard days where I do the work that I don't want to. Um, And I think that's as a player, as a coach, and just in general, by being happy with what you've done at the end of the day, knowing that you've um, put in effort towards maybe a greater goal or made progress on something, um, that I think is ultimately success. I couldn't agree more. That's fantastic. (laughs) Hey, tell me from a coaching perspective, something that you're most proud of so far in your coaching career. That is an easy question. (laughs) Um, I, so, and it's a little bit of a long story. I'll try to keep it short. Um, But my absolute most favorite moment from coaching, I had, it was a 14 and under club team. Um, again, this was my third season coaching. A lot happened during that season. Um, it was a big breakthrough year, I think, but, um, so my team had been stuck playing in regional tournaments because of our ranking at the beginning of the season. So we were number 67, um, in the region and knew that year they sent out an email, um, just before tournament started and said, everyone who is 65 and below is only going to play in regional tournaments. And that was a huge blow to my team. And the parents were mad. Everyone was mad that we were only going to like the highest we could get was two spots higher than what we already were. And throughout the season, this I think is actually one of the strongest teams that I've ever coached. Um, they like, we went to a tournament, um, that was not power league and we beat the number nine team in the region. And, and it was, it was exciting, but it also, you know, it was kind of a bummer that we were stuck. We wouldn't get the recognition of the rankings, um, to prove that we actually were a good team. But at the end of the season for the regional tournament, they had a couple teams drop out and they reached out to us and said, you know, we have space in our tournament. Will you come and be number 64, which was the very last place um, for the regional tournament. And this was about a week or two before, and it was about a two hour drive. So there was hotel stay babysitters for all the parents. Um, But everyone was like, yeah, we're in, we're going to be there. So we go and we beat a team that we had lost to all season and we move up, move up. We just keep winning. And it's, it feels like revenge <laughs> against the region because it's like, yes, like we knew that we were better than this and it just felt so good to be there proving ourselves. And we actually made it to the championship match and wow. in the championship match, we went to three, which, you know, I don't know if there could be, any more um, tension in the gym. It was, it was so intense. And I remember the score, it was about 
maybe 12 to 13, 13 to 12. It was right there, you know, getting towards the end. And my setter, who had been struggling with confidence throughout the season, wasn't really pushed until I brought in another setter, you know, and then she figured out that she needed to (laughs) try a little harder. Um, But she had been struggling with confidence throughout the season. And I had a seventh grade middle in and I only had two seventh graders on the team. Everyone else was in eighth grade. And she had also kind of been struggling with confidence throughout the season. And I remember this play so vividly. So it's the score is again about 12 to 13 or something like that and the other team serving we play the ball over they send it back to us and I see my seventh grade middle calling for a one (laughs) and going in for it and my setter is saying yes 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 you know she's gonna set the one and they set so they ran the play they ran a quick set to the middle and I just remember like my heart stopping (laughs) because I was just like, what are you doing? You know, in the moment, just like, what? Like you're choosing this moment to do this. Make the easy play. Make the easy Um, play. And she hit it over successfully, hit it to the other team's setter who um, she actually did pass it up. All right. Um, But the other team let it drop because they were waiting for the setter to go and get it. And so we won the point. We ended up winning the match. And I just, I'm so proud. That's probably, I mean, that's the best I've ever felt coaching because not only (laughs) did, up until this point, my team had never ran a play without me telling them like, hey, why don't you run something? You know, (laughs) go out there. Let's, let's, let's get ready. Let's do this. This is how we do it. And so for, for that moment to be, when it finally clicked, not only, you know, is it basically game point. I mean, a lot of teams will play not to lose instead of to win. And they were out there, two people who had been struggling with confidence all season, running a play in a critical moment of a critical match. (laughs) And I was just, I was so proud that like that really made me feel like whatever, ups and downs we had throughout the season I did something right um and what a good feeling it was so great and actually um that team you know a lot of them went to a couple different schools but later on they went to state while they were seniors in high school and um actually won state and that's the first time that my school had ever and so it was really awesome to just kind of see that I had changed their mindset because I think that's the hardest thing to do is change how they think about the game and absolutely and to see how that carried them throughout their careers I think I mean I just I feel like I won (laughs) I did something good so yeah yeah, that's yeah every coach just wishes they could have one season like that I mean to feel like you made a difference that's awesome I just love that story. I have goosebumps just listening to it. <laughs> and, and I've had more, um, more stories like that that follow, but none in that particular situation where it's just high stakes. And, oh, but yeah, I, I love coaching. That's a great memory for me. And um, hopefully I can duplicate it, but I don't know. That was pretty intense. So. <laughs> okay. 
Well, the takeaway is, you know, no matter where you start, it doesn't mean that that's where you finish. Yes. I mean, that was, that's a great example yes. of that. Well, Whitney, I've got two more questions for, for okay. you. Um, so the next one is just, you know, if uh, somebody came to you like 3M or something and said, Hey, Whitney, coach Whitney, you have the ability to put a message on this billboard. It's out on the major highway. What would your message be? Oh man. Well, I mean, that's tough because I think that a lot of people today, I mean, a lot of people need encouraging messages and positive messages. So um, to sum that up into like a phrase, I think would be difficult. So I think actually what I would want to do is maybe put pictures of just volleyball girls coming together. Um, I don't know. My favorite pictures of volleyball are always when the team's coming together, have their hands in and they're cheering. Um, I think, I think that would be, I mean, there's no message, but I think it's just a feel good. um, It's just a feel good billboard. (laughs) Yeah. I think a picture can uh, say a thousand different things. I think that's, that's powerful actually. Well, awesome. Well, you've had uh, some fantastic stuff for us to be able to use as takeaways as coaches. Give us an idea of what you're up to. How can um, my listeners find you? What is it uh, that you're doing? Give us an idea of your websites and how to find you on social. Sure. So um, I'm running getthepancake.com. It is a website with volleyball drills. Um, I have some practice plans, full practice plans on there. Um, I'm do some skills reviews and I'm constantly trying to build on that. So I'm writing articles for people who learn through reading. I'm trying to make more videos for people, you know, who are in a hurry and just want to watch how a drill is run. Um, so I'm trying to always add, um, to my website, but I do have Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, and YouTube, and I'm at get the pancake on there. So I'm always trying to mix up what content is where trying to add, um, you know, fun information about coaching, like on my Instagram stories, just taking you through like with me to my private lessons or, you know, while I'm setting up for camps, just kind of sharing that information. And then I also create like drill diagrams. So if you want to print those out and just put them in your coaching binder, um, I share those a lot on Pinterest and then, of course, the videos are on YouTube. And um, I'm always just trying to add more and more content. So um, I also started a shop where I'm trying to create bigger products. So I created some goal-setting worksheets that I think are awesome. And I'm really excited, actually, to use them with my team because I have done goal-setting with them in the past. But I'm excited to use the worksheets, actually, with my team Um But yeah, they can find that also on getthepancake.com. And then if anyone wants to reach out via email, I'm whitney.getthepancake at gmail.com. I know it's a little long, but um, I am trying to respond to emails. I I actually get a lot of feedback there and I appreciate it so much. So I hope no one would hesitate to reach out to me if someone has a question about coaching or maybe issues on their on their team I try to be as helpful as I can 
Um, so I definitely encourage people to email in if they do have questions. Well, that's awesome. I'm going to put all this stuff in the show notes so that uh, people can have it as an easy, quick link to get to you. But Whitney, thanks so much for your time. Thank you so um, much. <laughs> the, weight, the, the weight training uh, atmosphere out there is going to love this information and it's going to live for a long time. So if there's anything else we can do, I might even have you as a guest back as we uh, continue to grow as coaches. But thanks so much for spending some time with us. Hope you have a great upcoming club season. Thank you. I really enjoyed talking volleyball. So anytime you want to have me back, I'll be here. <laughs> Sounds good. All right, Whitney, take Thanks. care. Bye-bye.